0: What's up everybody, it's Jeffrey Lyles, you are listening to Lyles Movie Files. We are here, my hair is on, um, I don't even know what it is right now, but it's its in a desperate need of cut, and I'm going to start wearing hats from now on, because it is improper to be seen without one at this point. Joining me on tonight's show, little brother Jason, Chief, how you guys doing?
1: Good.
0: Chief, you Good
1: i'm well I'm, yeah i'm well i'm well i was making sure <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was making sure i, I wasn't muted because i was like i was like i probably let me check the phone first i'm like if i speak and i'm muted i'm gonna feel stupid even though no one would know but me but still
0: <laughs> that makes sense so yeah all right so here's some interesting you know i figured we go through a little bit of news first and then we tackle this big thing that i want to talk about so Coronavirus, of course, is still everywhere, and seemingly not everybody cares about it. Georgia movie theaters are planning to open this week, but a lot of movies have been rescheduled. A lot of them, a lot of studios have basically punted on the summer movie season. Some have delayed their films until the fall. Others have delayed their films until 2021. And all of this is still in flux because it's not like this thing is over yet. So Warner Brothers made the um, very interesting news today when they said that the company is rethinking their theatrical model. And that comes off of yesterday's reveal that their Scooby-Doo film, Scoob, is going directly to Home Digital. They were going to do a... Theatrical release, of course, and then with Corona, they're like, eh, let's just put it out at home. Trolls made fifty million or Trolls World Tour Party made fifty million. It's opening weekend direct to home markets. So they're gonna see what they can do on this. I'm thinking maybe they're gonna have that kind of same success. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. So my question for you guys is does Warner Brothers kind of reflect where everybody's thinking? Like, yeah, we need to start figuring out what films make more sense to send to theaters whenever they open, or maybe it's not a bad thing to just release what we have in the tank now to people at home.
1: You want this,
2: I'll, I'll start. I'll start it up for a second. I think movies that don't have giant budgets, like your kids' animated movies that you're really not expecting to get great traction on. I mean, you're, you're not, let's say it's, you're not expecting to get a hundred million plus. Those are ones, hey, we take those off the schedule. And if we do it right, we can potentially put some of our live action movies that cost a little bit more money in those dates. And then see where they go from that point. Like, okay, we're rethinking. Let's, let's try this and see where it goes. And that is like, these cartoon movies that don't cost that much, and a lot of them are always directed, they're on the big screen for like maybe three weeks, and then after that, it's like, well, we know parents are just gonna buy it because they want something for their kids to watch anyway, so why not just cut the middleman out, make that money as quick as possible? So I think that's probably what they're looking at as a ship right now, but let's if until they back away on saying, hey, we're just gonna give Wonder Woman. Out for fifty dollars this year versus waiting two years because something else is going to come out and delay it again next year. Let's just put it out and actually put out. I mean, get the money back. So I think that's where I stay. I think they're gonna go.
1: Who the hell is going to movie theaters? I mean, I'm not going. I don't. I don't know if I see myself going to a movie theater at all. I mean, until like, <laughs> like, dude, we we're we're, we're we're wearing masks right now. So you're telling me right now in the next four weeks uh, it's going to be safe for me to go out? I'm wearing a mask right now everywhere I go. And you're telling me Ain't you going to wear a mask for two hours
2: in the movie theater.
1: Right. You're telling me for four more weeks that everything is going to be cool?
0: So uh, your boy Lucifer, your show Lucifer, was all set for renewal for a sixth season. And Tom Ellis, the star, is apparently having some issues with his contract. And that may mess things up for the next round of Lucifer. How are you feeling about that?
1: Well, you know, they they to me they didn't end it properly, didn't end on a proper thing. I mean, it was I, I don't get me wrong, I enjoyed last season. Um and the only thing I think that is works well right now is that nobody's filming anywhere. So You know, that gives it gives them a couple more months to hammer out the contract situation. But from what I understand is that the whole staff likes each other. So it seems to me like if we all were friends, and why would I hold that up so none of us get work? And what the hell is Tom Ellis doing anyways, work-wise, that he can afford not to get paid? this season, you know what I mean? Like, have you seen Tom (laughs) Ellis in anything else? I have not. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Is there a Tom Ellis run that we don't know about? So I just feel like he's got to, at some point, make it happen. I mean, where are you going, dude? Like there's nobody, you're not, you know, you're not getting hired for nothing. (laughs) So you know what I mean? You're not in demand. Nobody's I have ever heard anybody say, yeah, we got to get Tom. So, and we've watched a lot of TV during this, uh, uh, you know, during this, this, this period, because you can't go nowhere. What else have you seen Tom Allen saying? So, not much. I think that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I've watched a, a lot of shows. I've, I've, I've watched all the Black Lightning. Oh, everything. I've watched everything. I've watched whole seasons of things and I haven't seen Tom in a damn thing. So I think that, um, yeah, he needs to make, you know, he's got to make choices and some of those, you know, I mean, how much money can he want? So we'll see, man. I, I hope he doesn't hold it up. I, I hope that they get the, the season out. All
0: right, Jace, we've been talking. I've, I told you, I have been digging way back into my Marvel cinematic universe, Going through all of the films and all the connections, all the likely reasonable connections on the road to Endgame. So I've been resuming Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 and knowing what's going to happen makes that so much better because I know I just have to be patient and it'll eventually get good. So I've reached that point where it got good. I'm excited and really amazed at how well everything is incorporated into this saga. Really well done. So then I got curious and was like, well, I don't remember what episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. were really necessary to get to Age of Ultron. So then I started doing this long stumble online, trying to figure out the other ways people watch these films. Have you heard of the Pegasus Order? No, I have not.
2: What's that? All right.
0: Pegasus Order is basically a machete cut of Star Wars for the MCU. And that means they've chopped up how, instead of doing it chronologically, they refocus it to tell the most cohesive story. The only problem with the Pegasus order for the MCU is you have to stop movies before the post-credit scenes in a lot of cases, which kind of gets dicey because a lot of the time the post-credit scene is the excitement of, oh, shoot, here's what's coming next. So for that reason, I'm not necessarily loving how the Pegasus Order plays out, but let me run through and kind of give you the the gist of it. So the main point of this is it sets up Captain America and Iron Man as the two most important Avengers, which they are, you know, from the films. But this setup allows them to be introduced in a way where it's 1A, 1B, and then the story unfolds. They set up the tesseract is a really important thing early on and then plays it out in a manner that everything makes sense and it keeps everything important the way it's supposed to be.
2: Okay, so, so that I'm sorry. So in that regard we take out Captain Marvel because she's the real introduction of the tesseract.
0: Funny that you mention that because it takes until, you know, I've gone through all of phase 1 I'm through most of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or their first season, and that means I've already watched Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 3, and Captain America The Winter Soldier. Those three films of Phase 2, so I'm at the home stretch, have Ant-Man, I think it's Ant-Man, and then Age of Ultron. So I'm really running low on my um, Phase 2 films. And there's really... Not a lot of issues until we get to Captain Marvel, which kind of screws up some stuff that was already established because Coulson tells I think it's Sky that Nick Fury recruited him in high school, which clearly is not the case as it lines up because he kind of first meets him or is like associated closely with him in Captain Marvel in the nineties. But he and says,
2: already, but he actually says he's like if if especially since you've watched um shield just because you recruit somebody doesn't mean you start working for them you can
0: recruit
2: so you can like hey i'm mentoring you then when you graduate come holler at me
0: i feel like he would have remembered him but okay i'll I'll play along with you on that sure so but captain marvel is the first one that really starts to clash with some of the things that have already been established which i think is interesting that they went 20 plus films before they really start running into problems so the Pegasus order starts off with Captain America the first Avenger that's the setup Cap Red Skull Howard Stark Agent Carter and all the players that we will see later on specifically in Endgame I like that way that makes sense the only problem is of course you have to stop the movie before the post credit scene and the film kind of starts off in 2012 when they discover Cap. So it's one really long flashback. That's not so big a problem because we haven't seen anything else. And there's not a lot of mention of Iron Man and Stark. So we don't, we don't have those references. But to me, what really makes Captain America work so well, the first Avenger works so well, is that part where Cap goes... I had a date and it was and it was like oh man and you feel for him because you know how important that relationship that thriving new relationship with Peggy meant to him which yeah. we'll see later but I think you can't really watch that and then well, maybe you can and the only thing is if you just play it out that introduction of Nick Fury isn't isn't as impactful as the one we get in Iron Man so you have to pause and I don't like that but. Let's see how this goes the rest of the way. So next up, Iron Man. Iron Man 1 and 2 are back-to-back. This one cuts out Incredible Hulk entirely, which I guess kind of makes sense, but you also run into the problem of not having Thunderbolt Ross show up until Civil War. So that's a slight issue there because...
2: The fact that Tony Stark doesn't even care. He's like a consultant... uh, recruiting for the Avengers in that post-credits well,
0: scene. that post credit scene doesn't really make a lot of sense because you shouldn't recruit Thunderbolt. So, dishing that is okay. It's just like a cool thing to show the connection between those two films.
2: But, but you really should like
0: never him? recruit Ross to but he's,
2: work he's for asking him. for information. It's like, I know you guys have been tracking Hulk for this year. Just give it to me and I can actually do the job.
0: Right. Well, we don't really get that spelled out clearly. So, I understand okay. why... You don't have to have that. And if Edward Norton stayed on, yes. But because he's not, it's just it's fine to scrap that. I get it. So with this new change, of course, we've dumped Hulk. We've moved First Avenger to the first film. That means Thor goes next. In this way, you get to go directly from Thor to Avengers. That way, you introduce Loki. You set up the dynamic with him and Thor. And this is kind of like his temper tantrum. I kind of like this because this is a nice segue between the two films. The Thor post-credit ends with Loki seeing Nick Fury, seeing Eric Selvig, and then immediately going into Loki causing problems. I really like that. So I think that works out really well and makes sense. You good with me there?
2: Okay. Um, But I'm trying to think. The Tesseract is mostly confined to...
0: Cap,
2: they don't mention the Tesseract at all in Thor?
0: No, they don't, but it's okay because we've already established the Tesseract exists. Okay. Okay. This is one of those things, if you could do a supercut yourself and make your own 4K on this, you would go from the post-credit of um, Thor to the post-credit scene in Captain America the First Avenger. Then you'd be perfectly fine to go into Avengers without having lost anything.
2: Yeah. I think <laughs> if you could do that and sure, that post-credits, they we be fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think Shield's great to watch in a binge format. My momentum stopped because after, I think like maybe I did four episodes of the first season or 22 episodes, having to stop to write slows it down. But I think you could just binge through it and not really think too long. You could just, it would be a better viewing experience to binge. And I had to watch in, it like huh? a week to week format.
2: Yeah, and then they'll tie in to Marvel movies. Like, oh,
0: okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, That's they cool. do a great job of tying in, especially the first season. They work really hard to connect to things. So they tie right into Iron Man 3. They have lots of episodes that give more attention and focus to things that happen in Thor the Dark World. And then there's a massive tie in to Captain America the Winter Soldier. So those three films really get a lot of extra attention thanks to agents of shield where with the exception of winter soldier those other films happen kind of like in a vacuum until end game but shield really does a nice job of filling in the gaps and showing how those events affected everything all right so next up here this is the next block of this pegasus order javon we're going through Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe according to this Pegasus order which is presenting a different way to watch these movies. Block 2 starts off with Captain Marvel. So the reason they start off with Captain Marvel here is because they've already introduced their aliens running around in this larger world and Captain Marvel occurs in in a period where it's so set alone that nothing else really matters to it. I mean, it's basically, hey, here's Captain Marvel. She inspired Nick to call the thing the Avengers. But if you throw it in here, then it connects to some of the things we just saw in the Avengers. We saw um, Nick Fury originally get influenced by a superhero and want to come up with the Avengers. So it's kind of like the the logic and rationale behind his actions in all of Phase 1, or Block 1 in this case. It shows Coulson, who we just saw get killed by Loki. We see why he wanted to come up with the Avengers. And, oh man, there's so many more alien races out there than just the Shatari. And then, of course, you have to stop it before the post-credit. But I think in this case it's okay. Mm-hmm. And this also is a better introduction to Ronan the Accuser and the Kree... Because it keeps sort of a, you know, like watching Captain Marvel when we did. It was like, oh, well, these guys are bad guys because blah, 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 blah. This allows that to be more of a secret where it's like, oh, oh, okay. So the twist in Captain Marvel is more effective because we don't already have a preconceived notion that maybe these guys are a little bit shady because Ronan is part of them. I like that, too. So you just slice off the post credit scene and you're good. That work for you?
2: Yes, I think that one does because Guardians of the Galaxy. You're already like, well, Ronan's not really bad for the Kree, right? He's part of the Kree, he's doing what all Kree do. It's like we're a war. Like, what, what's
0: yeah? So I, I really like that. I think I'm going to shift Captain Marvel in my display shelf and how I watch them because I like that so much. Then the next one, which is also really interesting. This is where they put in Thor the Dark World. And the logic here is after Avengers, after the kind of Captain Marvel interlude, then we find out what happened with Loki. He's he's in this prison, which he should be. So he's there. Thor is dealing with his sorrow, missing Jane. It doesn't feel so long. We've just immediately gone with that uh, Battle of New York. And Odin's gone. And this allows Thor to have all these adventures. And Loki's kind of causing mischief. And this way, we kind of deal with some things that come up later.
2: Loki's in the Basically, we're
0: staying, out of, we're staying in kind of space. We're going from Captain Marvel to Thor the Dark World.
2: And so we're, we're, and we're exploring the galaxy. We're exploring the galaxy, and we're connecting uh, Infinity Stones. So at this point, we have...
0: So we've introduced okay,
2: okay, yeah. we've one, two stones at the end of Dark World.
0: Then next time we go back to Earth for Iron Man 3. This way we put – and it's like there's literally no way around this. We put the two weakest films back to back. So normally it's Iron Man 3, then Thor the Dark World. This time we flip it. But now we're, we've shown that, hey, there's all kinds of alien races – Tony isn't wrong to be paranoid and dealing with his PTSD and he's going to have some real issues. This way, we play out that his issues are legit and aren't kind of swept under the rug. This one I like too. And now we shift over to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And this once again keeps that Tony cap or Steve and Tony dynamic going back to back again. Tony's got reason to be paranoid because he's afraid of everything that could happen with another alien invasion. Cap starts to diverge off of being perfect, idealistic super soldier because now he's thinking, whoa, everything's not as clear cut as it was. I need to not necessarily trust government and people who are in charge of all these weapons. And that kind of sets up their split down the road a little bit better i like this too how about you
2: oh i I get from one really bad movie to one good movie so i'm actually okay with that
0: (laughs) then this keeps it going because then we move over to age of ultron where we've set up tony and cap's issues and they're two separate films then we start them on this um clash of ideals and we kind of further that with age of ultron And Age of Ultron sets us up with another Infinity Stone. Then Thor is like, I got to bounce because I need to figure out what the heck is going on. And we send him off for a long time. Then, next up we go to block three. And block three is both Guardians of the Galaxy films back to back. Because apparently James Gunn set that up so volume two was not too long after the first one anyway. And if you watch part two, there's no connection of Infinity Stones, so we can just watch that. There's no post-credit that messes things up. It just goes from one to the next.
1: It's cohesion.
0: I like it. So we got that back-to-back. And the only problem is we get two of the same um, films back-to-back, but that's a small sacrifice to make the story make more sense later. So I'm down with that.
2: Yeah, Star-Lord's a different – kind. He, he kind of grows up, so I'm okay with that. It's not like you're watching the same film back-to-back.
0: Yeah. Then you go to Ant-Man. Ant-Man kind of continues that comedic thing where, hey, it's a little light, little less serious, a little less dark than some of these other films. It's fun, keeps that Guardians humor, superhero action going, but we're also back down on Earth. And then you don't need to watch this post credit scene because we see it later. In the next film, Civil War. This puts Tony and Steve's issues to a head. They're colliding. The Avengers split. Bam. So then we go to the films that immediately follow Civil War: Black Panther, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Those don't really interfere with the um, with the Infinity Saga, but they play out the threads of characters we quote unquote just met in Civil War. So we get Ant-Man, Black Panther. And Spider-Man, three important characters for Infinity War in the spotlight right now. I'm sorry. Not Ant-Man, but the other two. Now, here's where things get a little slightly dicey. And this is going to be another one we're going to have to stop at the post-credit scene. So, after Homecoming, then we go to Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think this works, too, because this way we keep that lighthearted tone and not, and not without messing it up. Well, we've In done this,
2: the Civil War though. I mean, that's that's. I mean, there comes a point. It's like, yeah, we go lighthearted, but it's like,
0: well, we've got a block of lighthearted films. We've got Homecoming, then we've got Ant Man and the Wasp. So it's not a, ha ha, serious, ha ha, serious. You know. So this way, it kind of puts them on a path where it's serious, then we kind of ease up a little bit, and then and this is all for a purpose too with the Avenger films. So we got that. Of course you can't watch the post credit scenes because it makes zero, zero sense. Then next up, Doctor Strange. And this explains one of the final Infinity Stones without making you wait so long to understand that Infinity Stone's purpose. I like this here because it directly goes into Ragnarok. And then you go from Ragnarok right to uh, Infinity War. And we've got we've had Thor and Hulk out of the way since Age of Ultron. So that's been a long gap and we can fill in whatever with those two characters, but we know they've changed over this time. They've had enough time to have all these adventures doing whatever the heck we haven't seen. Then for Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame. So you get both both so you end Infinity War and then immediately go to Endgame this way, there's no Ant-Man and the Wasp. There's no Captain Marvel. You just go from one Avengers film to the next. I think that's the most important part of this. And, of course, Far From Home wraps everything up. What do you think?
2: I almost think as much as I do like Infinity Wars and Endgame back-to-back, seeing some of the other – like Captain Marvel is like, okay, she's – I mean, at this – because we, we, last we saw her, she was so early on in this. She was the start of block, too. So it's almost like, why the hell didn't anybody call her when the stuff was popping off? Like, Nick Fury, you got these Avengers, but based on her power level, when you saw the Sitari, you should have almost called her.
0: But she's gone. She's like, I'll come back when I'm really needed. And at that point, he's assembled enough people who theoretically should be able to stop an alien invasion. And they do, so everything's okay. I bet if the Avengers started losing, he would have put that text in.
1: Okay. I'm a little indifferent with that because in common sense terms, I mean, for what it's worth, don't you want your strongest weapon at all times is like to say, hey, y'all can act stupid if you want. Look what we got. We got a nuke and you don't. I mean, history proves that, you know.
2: We got a nuke at the the door. So, I mean, like, almost like how Tony said, a shield of armor around the whole planet is if you have, I mean, I mean, it it makes.
0: See, the problem with Captain Marvel, of course, is they introduce her super late in the thing and they have to make some concessions to logic. So, introducing her after the first two Avengers, after the first three Avengers films, it kind of makes it like, well, why didn't you? But, you know, I'm going to go with the mindset Old that it had been years since he had been in contact with her. Nothing had happened until the Shatari came, and the Avengers were already in motion to stop them.
2: Like, okay, Tony's doing this. He's made ten suits of armor. He's, He's on that Thor.
0: path. He's got the Hulk, and he's got his top two agents and a super soldier. I'm thinking he's like, well, Captain Marvel can do a lot, but geez, let's see what these guys can do before I put the call in.
2: Okay. There's nothing, the Shatari invasion, nothing has happened that can't be, even in a guerrilla war, they couldn't recover from at that point. Yeah,
0: it doesn't really get too far out of hand. Where it's not widespread throughout the world, which is when he puts the call in because they're getting reports of all these energy spikes throughout the planet. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is totally different than what the Avengers have dealt with at first.
1: I don't know. I mean, for, well, like I said, for me, if I got a nuclear weapon, I'm not going to wait until situation critical. I'm going to do the I'm going to do the thing that anybody would do with an end all be all and say, hey, You can act stupid if you want. This is what I got to prevent anything from getting any further than it already is. But with that said, we wouldn't have the series of movies. You know what I mean? You wouldn't have what you have if you'd have done that. So it's the problem creating
0: a cheat code character kind of late in here. It really
2: (laughs) is. It really is. She's still not as strong as Ray, so that's all that matters.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, fellas, thank y'all for rolling, as always. Thank y'all out there for listening. But for now, we're going to wrap this bad boy up. Thank y'all for listening. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.